I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, welcome. Today's episode is the sleep episode, and I'm going to be talking about a myriad of sleep things. So I'm going to read an email I got on Patreon and, or I don't know what you call it, a text, a text message, <laughs> a comment, a question about naps. And I'm going to read this specific question, but honestly, I have had five clients recently who have the same exact scenario going on. So it has to do with ditching the nap. Hi, I've read both your books and I love your podcast. Thank you. One topic I need help with and I have been looking for your advice is on naps. I didn't read much about them in your toddler book and I feel like I'm losing control of nap time and it drives me crazy. Some days it totally derails me. And I know that sounds crazy. My son is generally a good, sweet, almost four-year-old, and he rarely naps anymore. I, on the other hand, know that he is tired and still needs to nap. He is so not his best self for the rest of the day when he doesn't nap, but he just won't most of the time. I still make him lay down for at least an hour, but every day is a huge struggle. He needs his nap and I need him to nap. I need to recoup and gather myself. And I guess it wouldn't bother me so much if he wasn't so naughty and dead tired the rest of the day, but that's not the case. Also, he will not stay in his bed. He always gets up and plays in his room, so he's not obeying me. Do you have any advice on how to handle dropping nap time or can you steer me to a certain episode? I realize I can't make him sleep, so I'm making the best of the hour I make him stay in his bed, but I know in my gut he still needs to nap. Thank you. Okay, can I steer you to a certain episode? Yes, this one. <laughs> this is a huge question. From ages like two and a half to four, it can, you know, look like your child's giving up their nap. Now, at four, four and a half, I would honestly say that they are giving up their nap. And I can attest to this. My son napped right up until his first day of kindergarten. <laughs> and actually it was about a week before kindergarten started that I was like, oh my God, I've got to, I've got to practice. You've got to practice staying awake for the whole day. And Pascal did look like he was going to drop his nap around three. And I just kind of held on to a quiet time and he went back to napping. So if your kid is like under three and a half, I would say, you know, for all kids, keep the quiet time. When your kid is under three and a half, they'll probably not give up their nap permanently if you can 
keep instituting this quiet time. Yeah, does that make sense? Now, for this particular mama, her kid is four, and yeah, he's he's going to be giving up his nap probably, you know, right ab- around now. Now, I like how this mama said, I know I can't make him nap. So yes, you cannot make your child sleep, nor can you actually make your child stay in bed. So if you institute a quiet time, like I heard, I heard in that that message that she was like, you know, he's disobeying me. He's not even staying in his bed. I, I think you can't expect a kid who's not particularly tired in that moment to stay in bed. I do think it's perfectly reasonable for every child to have an hour quiet time. And that can be stay in your room, mama needs her quiet time, mama needs to rest or daddy needs to rest. I know right now I have a client who has to work and she was like, I have to work. This kid needs to stay in his room. So, you know, feel free to put up a baby gate. I know that even, you know, when you're working with some sleep experts, what can happen is you might have to put a lock on the door and so the child can, you know, know that they have to stay in their room. And I know that sounds really, a lot of parents buck up against that, like, I'm not locking my kid in their room. But, you know, that's kind of what a crib is. And kids really respond well to containment. You know, when they know they have this boundary, this physical boundary, that they usually respond really well. And the reality is, you, the parent, need a break. And if you happen to doze off and your kid can wander around the house, that is potentially dangerous as well. So I'm I'm not a huge fan of like shoving a kid in a room and locking the door, <laughs> but I think it's reasonable that, you know, if you expect your child to stay in their room for a certain amount of time and they kind of keep wandering, I think it is a reasonable solution. Now, a couple of things. First of all, for every single kid up until about the age of 13, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. is what I call the witching hours. They're miserable. Everything falls apart. If you're potty training, there's more accidents. You'll see more tantrums. So that three to six zone is always a nightmare. When your child is giving up their nap, you have to go to an earlier bedtime. And I am talking, you can actually go to a crazy earlier bedtime like 5 p.m. And I know that that sucks, especially as we're... you know, heading into summer, especially as we're heading into like getting back to real life after pandemic quarantining. But if your child's giving up the nap, they really do need to make up that sleep somewhere. And it should be on the going to bed end. And a lot of parents fear that, you know, going to bed at five is going to result in a crazy early wake up. But I know from working with a ton of sleep experts, I know from my own personal experience and I know anecdotally from clients that sleep begets sleep. So if your child goes down at five, they're going to sleep longer in the morning. My own personal experience is my child went to bed at five because he was a 5.30 waker up or no matter what. I could keep him up till 10.30 at a a barbecue or something and he would wake up at 5.30. I could put him to bed at 5 p.m. and he would wake up at 5.30. So I'm not a dummy. (laughs) I bought myself time on the going to bed side. And I do realize that that can interrupt with, you know, maybe some, you know, one parent coming home from work. It can interrupt with a 6 p.m. dinner time. But you have to, you know, you have to look at this and say, do I want a miserable effing kid sitting at my dinner table or do I want some peace? And do I want my child to get the sleep that they need? So you do have to make up for that. It's a limited time. It's not forever, but they do need to make up that time somewhere. I also advise 
clients to strategize their time differently. So, you know, make that 3 to 6 p.m. where your kid is like falling out, miserable, crazy because they didn't nap. Make that the quiet time. If you guys are prone to watching a movie or using some screen time, make it during that time. Don't do any, don't have high expectations of your kid, yeah? So I was working with a client recently whose child was giving up the nap. That hour was miserable. And just last week, she, you know, got back to real life. They made a play date and they had a three hour play date with another kid. Now, this is a whole nother topic, but you guys, we can't jump in. We've had kids who for a significant portion of their lives, i.e. the last three or four months, were in lockdown. And I've got parents like, woohoo, we can go back to real life. And they're they're planning these like day long play dates. Dude, your kid lost some social skills in this quarantine. Yeah, they've had parents as playmates. Parents are a lot more forgiving than another three and a half year old. So there's going to be some fights. There's going to be some overstimulation. There's going to be no sharing. There's going to be a shit ton of bad behavior because kids are like renegotiating how to be with other kids. So expect that. Don't plan those in that three to six zone. Your kid does not have the capability if they're giving up their nap, you know, or just kind of not having a nap that they're not going to be at the, their best selves. Yeah. And they're going to be miserable at these play dates. But again, that's a whole nother topic. We should just suffice it to say, for now, plan very short outings when you're meeting up with other people if you've been in quarantine. So make that three to six zone, the quiet zone. Yeah. And that's also great because it really, it's like a landing strip into bedtime. So don't do, I know a lot of parents are like some parent are getting home from work or it's like it can be a peak time for adults like a lot of adults like to go to the gym then you know or like hey I've got like free time in the evening but be mindful that this is your kids landing strip into bedtime it's it's okay to keep those activities quiet if that's the low-key you know like I said movie time or just some like play-doh or reading you know just don't make it a high octane make your high octane earlier in the day so that your child's kind of kind of worn out. Yeah. Another thing is when you're putting your child in their room for their quiet time, don't be afraid to use Audible or some, you know, if you can download MP3s from your library, um, listening to stories is just a great way to spend that quiet time. And it may, maybe your child will fall asleep. I think though, when you're instituting the quiet time, you kind of can't judge what happens in your child's room. It's their quiet time and you absolutely can't make them stay in their bed. So I would advise against thinking like, I told you to stay in your bed. Cause come on, I mean, they're like three or four, right? They can't really, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to stay in bed when I can't sleep and, and I got skills, yo. So the little ones don't have that kind of skill. I called, you know, personally, I called when Pascal wasn't napping. I would say, okay, that's that's cool, man. If you can't close your eyes, you got to stay in your room. And then if he didn't nap, I'd be like, okay, it's EBT. And we would jokingly, we called it early bedtime EBT. We would call it, you know, we'd even be at a picnic or something. And my mom would see him kind of losing his shit in that zone. And she'd be like, oh, it's going to be an EBT. <laughs> so don't be afraid to put your kid to bed in what feels like a bizarrely early time because they need the sleep. Sleep, 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 sleep. And I'm going to touch on some sleep for us as adults as well, because sleep is everything, you guys. And I feel like we just, I know you know it because you have babies and toddlers, and I know you know your kid needs sleep, but I find that it's really the first thing to go when we start thinking about doing things outside in summertime and 
we just, we all need it so much. It's the body's time to rest, to heal, to um, balance hormones. Everything gets out of whack if we're underslept, not just little kids' behavior, everything. So I really think it's worth making sleep like a huge important thing, yeah? One thing I would discourage you when your child is giving up their nap is don't get in the habit of doing something kind of crazy, like not crazy, but like, oh, I'm just going to put him in the car and drive around, or I'm going to put him in the stroller and walk around. That's okay in like kind of an emergency, but I would not get in the habit of doing that. I know so many parents then who get locked into nap time driving around their car and you just, you don't want to do that. It's way better to have the child be in their room and to institute that. You know, if you, if you feel like your child's totally underslept and you're like, I just got to go or, you know, you run an errand and your child falls asleep and you decide to ride around in the car just to keep them asleep. That's cool. But I wouldn't establish nap time like in the car or in the stroller because it really it can really screw you down the road because it just it keeps you sort of locked into that. And I know it's it's really tempting because, you know, that they they need it. The other question I get a lot is, you know, I lay down with my child, you know, and I know that, you know, people say, I know I'm not supposed to. And here's my bottom line. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you stand on your head for an hour while your child naps. I literally, I've worked with so many families and there's so many combinations of what works and doesn't work. But no, especially with sleep time habits, do it once and it becomes a habit. You have to recognize that. And so it's very hard Parents that are like, I just did it the once. I just laid down with him the once. Well, no, it's now a signed deal. Same thing with co-sleeping, right? So like, oh, you know, he just came to my bed one time. I don't care where you guys sleep. I don't care if the whole family rotates beds. I don't care if you all sleep on the couch, in front of the TV, whatever works, as long as it's working for every single person in your family. If it doesn't work for even one member, don't do it. And I get this a lot where the kid is sleeping with the mom and it's too much for the dad. So the dad goes and sleeps on the couch and he's a little disgruntled, not terribly. Don't do that. It's not working for dad. Yeah. If it's not working for everybody, it's not working. If it is working for everybody, again, I don't care what you do. Yeah. But I hear this a lot is like, oh, especially going to sleep at bedtime. Oh, I'm just going to lay down with him to go to sleep. Then you doze off. Then you wake up at like nine o'clock. Your mouth's dry. You don't know where you are. Your night is wrecked because you kind of got a three hour nap in there. You know, you're all disoriented. And of course, we've all done it. It happens. I mean, I mean, I used to fall asleep reading the book to Pascal and he'd close the book and wake me up. But it, it's definitely accidental sometimes, but don't get in the habit of doing it. Or, you know, if you are in the habit of doing it, I don't care. It's not good or bad as long as it's working for you. Okay. And and again, co-sleeping, same thing. I don't care. I think the great secret is almost all kids go into their parents' bed at some point in the night. I hear that from so many people. But if it if it works for you, it works for you. If your kid is kicking you, if your kid is destroying your sleep, don't do it. You know, don't do it. I know sleep training is super controversial. I've had a couple of sleep experts on the podcast. I myself did traditional sleep training with Pascal and I've talked about it quite openly. And every time I get people like, you know, yelling at me that there's more mindful ways, there's more ways to sleep train other than sl traditional sleep training. And I say, go for it. 
again, I don't care how you do it, but you deserve a good night's sleep, you yourself as the parent, not just the kid. I think one of the best things, you know, if you have a toddler, they've already got their sleep hygiene, if you're using a sound machine or blackout curtains or whatever. But I think one of the best things I read, and I think it was... um I forget the sleep training guy that everybody hates. They think it's cry it out, but it's not. It's not Brazelton. He's a he's a potty training whack job. Ferber, Ferberize. Don't Ferberize your kid. And so I remember, I don't know if you guys have heard my, I'll give you my sleep training story very quickly. Pascal was seven months and I walked into a staff meeting. I was a social worker and I worked into a staff meeting and we had two house psychiatrists and they took one look at me. And they were like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I broke down and Pascal was waking up every 20 minutes to nurse. It was awful. And I was just, I was so tired and I was so afraid. I was so afraid that in the middle of the night, I would get frustrated and give him one good shake. And, you know, we all like to think we're incapable, but it happens and we're only human and sleep training. I mean, sleep deprivation is used as torture in war. So it's a big effing deal. And I was so afraid that I would lose my shit in the middle of the night and give him one good shake and that would be it, you know? So everybody was like, you know, all this, like the house psychiatrists and my coworkers were like, you have to sleep train, you have to sleep train. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't verberize my kid. And one woman said, did you, have you even read Ferber? And I was like, uh, no, I didn't. You know, I felt re- I was really guilty of being part of a crunchy mom's group who, you know, the party line was don't verbalize your kid. And I didn't even really know what it meant. But anyway, he he's he's really not crying out. Very, very interesting. But one of the key things that I remember reading was not to shut down the house that, you know, in utero, your kid hears everything. They hear the vacuum, they hear the fire trucks, they hear the noisy neighbor kid playing drums, you know. And so then we have them and we kind of cocoon them in this dark room with no sound, no, you know, no light whatsoever. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So, you know, if you if you already have a toddler who has their sleep hygiene set up, go for it. Like, I'm not saying don't fix it, but if you're pregnant or have a a newborn, you know, don't even start with those crutches, rely on the household. And I, I took that to heart. Like I vacuumed, I didn't shut down any noise whatsoever. And I'll tell you what, Pascal to this day, he's 14. And he said he, he often doesn't even remember his eyes closing as he hits the pillow. Like that's how quickly he falls asleep. And he's been remarkably easy to put to bed after sleep training. So If you guys are suffering, really, really hook up with a sleep trainer that resonates with you because you you really deserve a good night's sleep. And I, I say this time and time again, you cannot be a good parent. You know this. You know those nights that you're, you know, you have a little too much wine, you stay up a little late. You're a mess the next day. You're not a good parent. Like you're barely hanging in. You lose your temper quicker. So, you know, think of that for you too. It's not only about your little one showing up as their best self, but it's about you showing up as your best self, right? Now, some sleep hygiene for you that nobody wants to hear. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a huge experimenter. I love to I love to experiment on my body, on my health, on my mind. And I, I am a jumper in person. Like I have a friend who's going to research everything before she tries anything. And I'm like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this, you know? And, and so one of the things that I... I get sleep. I I go to bed really early. I go to bed at like eight thirty, <laughs> and I get but I get up at like four, and I often just fall right asleep. But I really play 
I played with, you know, no screen time, no social media. And I know everybody like knows it and everybody can like repeat it back to you, but so few people actually do it. And I think what happens, especially as the parent of a toddler, and especially coming off the pandemic where they were up your ass all day, is we think once they go to bed, it's me time, right? It's me. I have time. I can scroll Facebook or I can, you know, I can watch Netflix. I can just collapse with, you know, a glass of wine or a tub of ice cream or whatever. The biggest problem, though, you guys, is that I get it. I totally get it. But there's nothing better you can do for yourself than sleep. So really set a good bedtime and commit to being off screens. The blue light, the more I hear about the blue light is just so, it's so damaging to your brain, to your cellular health. But also, even if you have like blue light blockers, which like block out all the harmful light from your computer or your phone or your smart TV, it's still not good for you. For me, I've just noticed I don't seem to be bothered I can fall dead asleep and have a really good night's sleep after watching TV or, you know, being on my phone. For me, it's the, the, especially right now, it's the stimulation from the social media, right? It's like people arguing or people, you know, there's always something put in front of me that riles me up, that gets my heart racing, that gets me, you know, doing angry monologues in my head, <laughs> which isn't, it's just not helpful as you're going to sleep. So really, 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 I committed to two hours before, you know, no TV, no social media, and just reading my book. And it's amazing. I, I, Never really struggle with sleep, but now it's just heavenly. So I super encourage you to do that. Make sure your room is cool. You know, make sure you have a good mattress, a good pillow. The other thing I've been doing that probably the whole world does, and I, because I work out like super early in the morning, and so I tend to shower early in the morning, and I've just, I'm doing cold water training now, so I follow Wim Hof. I don't know if you know this guy. He's called the Iceman. He's really, he's worth Googling. He's a very interesting guy. He's learned how to control his breathing so he can keep his core temperature up, even in like Arctic conditions. He's done marathons in the, on Mount Everest barefoot. He's kind of kooky, but... I, because of my obstacle course training, I have to do this cold water training. And so I've been doing these cold water showers at night. And oh my God, I go in a bed after a shower, like on clean sheets is so luxurious. <laughs> so you guys probably already know this, but I didn't know this. And so late in life, I've learned that if I take my shower right before bedtime, it just, oh my God, my sleep is heavenly. So keep a cool room. You know, those kinds of things are, I think we all know. I can't state this enough, and I know I talk about it constantly. I know I've already done an episode on it, but really, really, really attend to your sleep. It's going to be the number one thing you can do to help yourself, to help your body, to feel your best. It, you know, regulates your hormones. So if you feel like you're storing weight, like in your midsection, that's a sign of too much cortisol, which sleep straightening out your sleep and your sleep hygiene can totally fix that. So I think it was my last podcast. or no, maybe it was two podcasts ago, like my singular piece of parenting advice. And I had said, be present. But now I'm thinking, no sleep. <laughs> Get sleep. And, and for your little ones too, just creating those good habits now is going to do them a world of favor. I had horrible insomnia in my 20s, like crazy making insomnia. And so I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So it was really important to me to give Pascal the gift of good sleep, you know? Okay, I think that's all I have. Oh, you know what? Let me mention this too. I don't like to talk too much about potty training on the podcast because it's 
it's a bottomless pit <laughs> of questions and despair. But know this, that when you are potty training, your child's sleep will be disrupted. Particularly what's happening with a lot of my clients right now is the kids are almost leading nighttime training. So when you potty train, you bring your child's awareness to the fact that they have to pee. And for a lot of kids, this kind of translates into waking up in the middle of the night or waking up super early. We all have a like 4 a.m. pee in us. And so the bummer is a lot of the kids start to become aware of that pee. You know, they'll wake up and parents are freaking out because they sleep trained. You know, they have the sleep hygiene down. They've got a really good sleeper. And now all of a sudden the kid's waking up at four or five. The bummer is that that's going to happen for a lot of kids, even if they're in a diaper, even if they're in a crib. So it's a rock and a hard place because the whole active potty training is setting your child up to be autonomous with their bodily functions. It's bringing their awareness to these bodily functions. And now you have that awareness. So now you have you kind of have to suck it. It sucks really bad, especially that early morning pee. And I know so many parents contact me and they're like, oh, this early morning pee. It really does level out if you night train. I tell parents all the time, jump into night training if this happens because your child is leading the process. And so it doesn't get any better than that. And it will level out after a couple of weeks. They will start sleeping in. It's just right at the beginning, they become hyper aware of the fact that they have to pee. So just be aware of that and know that it does chill out. The other thing is if your child isn't doing that, it's okay as well. Not And not every kid all of a sudden starts waking up. So don't, you know, don't freak out on the other end if you're like, oh man, my kid's not even, you know, my kid's not showing any signs of that or don't take that as a sign of like, I'm going to wait till my kid does that before you night train because that's not always the case either. All right, you guys, I'm going to log off for today. As always, I hope you rock on and I thank you for your support and have a great one. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.